Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I am your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we dive into this past weekend's match against Orlando City, we actually have a word from our sponsor, the Reese E. Price Academy 5K 10K Fun Run. Calling all soccer fans and runners. Are you looking for a fun and meaningful way to support students and educators? Well, lace up your sneakers and get ready to support a great cause, the Reese E. Price Academy. They are a neighborhood public school in East Price Hill, and they are holding their first ever 5K, 10K fun run to support the school community on Saturday, April 15th. With music, post-race food, raffles, and prizes, the Reese E. Price Academy Fun Run is a family-friendly event that's sure to be a blast. And best of all, every dollar raised goes directly to the school, providing resources for their school community. Come on out on Saturday, April 15th, and show your support for your neighborhood public school. Register today and be a part of something truly special. You can register at bit.ly slash R-E-P-A run or just use the link in the description. Use promo code POST and save 20% on registrations or don't use that and give them the full price, you cheap jerk. Thank you very much to Reese E. Price Academy 5K 10K Fun Run for sponsoring this episode and for being our first ever sponsor. And what an episode that we have in store for you. We've got Jonah back doing headlines. Chief and Grayson are also here, and we are breaking down everything with that Orlando City draw. Was it good? Was it bad? Draw on the road, win at home? It's working so far, but let's just say Chief is keeping an eye on where that panic button is. All in all, that will be your Cincy Postcast. Joining us to talk about that lovely, lovely road draw that nobody had any complaints about whatsoever. We've got Grayson and Chief, and again, two weeks in a row, joined by Jonah, formerly of Knifey Lion Radio. Jonah, how are we doing? Forever of Knifey Lion Radio. <laughs> it's going on my obituary. <laughs> Next to Educator. There may not be new episodes, but it lives forever in everyone's podcast feed. Mm-hmm. Yes. I uh, I was cleaning up my podcast feed recently, and I couldn't <gasps> bring myself to unsubscribe. <laughs> so I'm, I'm Drive to for... Columbus, Kevin. You need to be there when it drops. <laughs> Don't unsubscribe till then. And that's a reminder to myself that I got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So good. Uh, well, Jody, you ready to, uh, to set the table? here for this week yeah i gotta know chief you were uh you know one for one last week are you coming in with some more this week or oh hell yeah you know okay good (laughs) (laughs) i'm feeling much more confident this week you know last time you guys had me and yourselves up at uh what was it nine ten in the morning Aggressively, it was aggressively early for a <laughs> night that I'd been out till two in the morning previously. So, let me tell you, the dinner was pretty good. So, I appreciate all of your sacrifices for me. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, I'm happy to set a table any time of day. But now it's a much more reasonable KLR type time. Should I go ahead? Let's, Let's do it. Let the table setting begin. I say dive into it. All right. Well, we're coming in. Real strong, because this one's from a major player out there, the L.A. Times. So I don't know if you guys have subscribed to that. You might have missed it, so I'm glad I could share it. Is this some kind of joke? 
Confused, Nick Haglin prepares to play against a toothbrush after seeing players called up from Oral B. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys see that one? Oral B. Four out of five dentists recommend squad rotation for you. <laughs> it's a shame he, they didn't also have somebody from Colgate. <laughs> yeah, he's our lovable oaf. Yeah. Um, On the subject of that, of the uh, of the squad rotations, uh, this was uh, from the Sacramento Bee. Tired rotation. MLS broadcast team clings to one narrative for entire soccer game. I don't know if you guys heard this watching the game, but Orlando City was rotating a lot of talent ahead of a midweek match. I don't know if you picked up on that. You might have had to really pay attention to literally every other thing that came out of the announcer's mouth in this game. <laughs> it was uh, it was definitely front of mind uh, and then back of mind and then all the other sides of my mind as they beat it into our heads. Yes. I heard that uh, Gaddis only started out of like a gentleman's agreement uh, with Noonan not to not to take things too hard on them. That was nice of us. Yeah. <laughs> It also like it it did make watching the game harder. Like not scoring is always frustrating, but when you're not scoring and the announce team is constantly reminding you, "Oh, and by the way, you're playing against their B team because they've heavily rotated with this squad." And every other person that touched the ball was like, "Oh, this is his first touch in MLS history <laughs> or these are his first minutes." And you yeah. just think to yourself, "We should be doing better against this." <sighs> This guy yeah. was playing in a mud pit in Division Six three weeks ago, and look at him now, starting against thirteen million dollar Brenner, <laughs> scoreless. Basically, I don't true. remember all that narrative though when we beat Orlando last year with Ian Murphy starting. I don't remember, you know, just the the announcers constantly saying, um, "Oh, Cincinnati is rotating; they're playing some random college kid." Uh, this game, and uh, Baji was starting over Brenner then as well. Yeah. Mm, simpler times it's just the problem is is that the feelings that you have watching this as an fc cincinnati fan and why can't we do better than this that was what everybody had as a feeling playing us and no matter what we put on the field last year it's like this is fc cincinnati how are we not beating them it's like oh it's a <laughs> it's a new age <laughs> yeah yeah um oh, god God, I, I don't even know why I was on this site. It must have been a Facebook ad. The Daily Wire, I saw this headline. <laughs> Paging Tammy Faye Baker. Orlando forwards forced to wear a face full of mascara all game long. <laughs> anybody? I'm sure our young listeners will really appreciate that one. I actually, um, I was actually also per perusing conservative media, and there must have been a memo <laughs> going around, because I saw this one on Fox News. Oh. Uh, Rumored mosque era potentially bringing Sharia ball to FC defense. <laughs> it's a real shame. He's probably not Muslim. <laughs> he's almost certainly not Muslim. He's like he's from Colombia. <laughs> hey, I'm not here to make any assumptions or or anything like that. Anybody is welcome to any sort of culture they'd like. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just think it's kind of problematic to describe. Oh, he's possibly Muslim. It's like, well, he's also possibly not Muslim. He possibly <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities are endless. <laughs> Kevin, yeah. mascara good Mus now? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, from game one to game two, that was a hell of a, a leap in uh, ability and overall quality. Uh, way, way into it, and 
I mean, if we get the same kind of leap into week three, I think Wolves are going to recall him before the end of the year. <laughs> He's I think fast. He went, he went from like, yeah, he looks, he's showing a lot of promise here. But he's yeah. still raw to like he might be the best player I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the uh, they talk about how like AI is going to take over the world. We're like one day AI will be thinking at the level of a toddler. And then 20 minutes later, it'll be thinking at the level of the smartest person alive. And then 20 right. minutes later, it nothing will ever be smarter than this computer. That's kind of <laughs> like Mascara's development cycle. Whereas like last week it was, oh, you know, maybe. And now it's. I think he was the man of the match. And then next week it'll be um, they're giving him a piece of an expansion franchise to <laughs> sign a new deal and stay in the league. They're giving him the Messi, the Beckham deal, because we must have Mosquera in MLS. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. saying paging Tammy Faye Baker, right, guys? Everyone's that's <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the, solid. It, if you're under 40, you might have seen the uh, the eyes of Tammy Faye. That was a was a quality little flick recently. It, I could not get that. over the fact that uh, Andrew Garfield and Jessica Chastain looked like like children dressed as like grownups in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like like I, I just don't buy Andrew Garfield as like a 50, 60 year old man just because you like, you know, brush a couple brush a little bit of uh, dust in his hair. Right. Yeah, and right. give him a I mean, suit that's too big. I mean, if you if you actually look at old clips of Jim Baker, he kind of looked a little fucked up too, so <laughs> It's, it's not like he like was a looker. <laughs> um, but he looks like an adult man. Right. <laughs> well, like I mean, a... speaking of religion here, um, I saw this. This was in the uh, Arlington Catholic Herald, um, famous religious newspaper. We're saving ourselves. FCC striker duo pledges no scoring until marriages to European teams completed. <laughs> The the Vasquez Brenner commemorative promise rings are, are just flying <laughs> off the shelves. Um, it's uh, it's not been great from the uh, attacking duo of FC Cincinnati thus far. Um, a lot of chances, not a lot of scoring, unfortunately. So maybe they are pledging to keep themselves pure until Europe comes courting. <laughs> I mean, if Mascara made the leap from last week, you could say, you know, uh, in week one, Brenner and Vasquez, I mean, Brenner not even on the field, and Vasquez, I think, maybe had one shot. And now they're getting regular shooting opportunities, Vasquez hitting the woodwork. Again, we see this kind of improvement to, to next week, and Seattle better look out because they might actually <laughs> score one. <laughs> Getting a little scared about that game, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seattle looks real good, uh, so we really do need to step it up. <laughs> yeah, it would be nice if, um, you know, when they were in front of goal, they tried putting the ball in the net as opposed to wide left, wide right, hitting the crossbar. I, I feel like they have exhausted methods to not score at this point. <laughs> between Brenner and Vasquez so far this year. So, I mean, it, it has to it has to go in at some point, right? So, I saw a headline in Cosmo about this. Speaking of going in. <laughs> That's literally my next headline. It's from Cosmo. I'm not even joking. <laughs> That's so let, me weird. See, let me see if you have the there, same one ahead. that I did. <laughs> or you found the same article that I found. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, it happens to a lot of guys. FC FC offense fails to keep it up after build up showing shortcomings. 
<laughs> uh, we could dive into that after I. This was on the very next page of Cosmo magazine. Uh, These might pages stick together. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little left field though. Ah, shit! I ripped a hole in the bottom of my shirt. Matthew Duplan's girth causes epic fail with Ray Gaddis impersonation. You guys see that? Because <laughs> he's. <laughs> I don't, know why he's, I don't know why. I don't know why he's doing that, but he's I, I doing just, it. I'm just shocked that Cosmo is spending more time covering MLS than ESPN ever did. We can How only dream that? of that day. Yeah, yeah, it's happening. How excited were you guys when that when that uh, commentator was like, "Was there a possible handball?" I was like, "Here we go. We got a goal, guys. Come on, we can come on, do this. Just a possible handball." And they showed it. Not even close. Not, Not even close, close. But he got me excited for about ten seconds. I was like, "Yeah, man, I'm with you. Why are they stopping this for VAR?" The other commentator was just like, that's a left leg. Like, right. just immediately, it's like, shut up. Well, I mean, it is nice to know that, like, even though we've moved national commentators, there can still be real awkward moments in the booth. Like, I was worried that was not going to happen this year, but <laughs> this is good. It's exciting. Yeah, I, was, I was just angry that um, it, at a certain point, it seemed like the only way they were going to score is if some sort of a penalty was awarded. So I was clinging to anything. Well, I was, I was still harping on that Barreal one where he, the one where he uh, yanked uh, the defender yanked Barreal down by the shoulder. Yeah. yeah. But I was like clinging to anything like, yeah, like, yeah let's, that, that's a penalty. Yeah. So <laughs> was my like, wife, I was like, I don't know. He won the ball. Once you win the ball, you can do whatever the fuck you want pretty much. <laughs> well, speaking of Barreal, I saw this in, um, uh, skeptic magazine, uh, also covering soccer this year. If it flies, it thighs. Barial improvement is real, flashing pace and a commitment to leg day. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm not complaining. I guess I didn't realize. I knew he, he pulled his shorts up. Sure. I guess I didn't realize he was tucking it back into his underwear then on his legs. It was a very interesting look from Barrio. Maybe he's been doing that the whole time, uh, but we finally got the uh, the definition on the uh, the video high enough that I could actually see what was happening with his uh, shorts there. That's a look, and uh, that is not a look anybody else is going to copy. <laughs> <laughs> not Lucho, that's for sure. No. Ray Gaddis... Shorts curious. Kinda. I think Barrio was more, more like LL Cool J last year. He would do the one leg tuck, mm -hmm. which was, I don't know if it was his like stronger leg, but yeah, now this, this year he's, he's headed towards a speedo basically. Do you think um, they could just get him Adidas branded like track shorts so that they're just, they're already like way high up for him, like hurdler shorts. It might just be easier for Adidas him. Adidas is usually pretty good about doing stuff with, uh, not a lot of lead time, so I'm sure they'll, I'm it'll sure be ready by 2032. It. Yeah, what they should do for Barrio is just keep giving him shorts one size smaller each match, and just see at what point he complains. He's like, guys, I can't go out there dressed like this. Maybe you give him shorts that are one like centimeter longer each game, and try to convince him he's shrinking. <laughs> Uh, I don't know if you guys saw that Deplon wears uh, Greg Oden's Ohio State shorts. Do you remember when the hell? Those are really long. If you remember that. Uh, <laughs> I remember that Xavier year, too. I think they were Elite 18. Do you remember uh, Chief when... Who's that? Was that the Jordan Crawford era? That's when they had the shorts that almost went down to your ankles. I'm much happier yeah, they've gone back to... Uh, the big X ones. on the sides. No, mm -hmm. I, it was all yeah. part of that like outgrowth of the 1990s where everything was... 
you know, shorts were basically pants in that era, and I miss it. But tops were tight. I don't know, Chief. I don't know why you would care about Xavier, anyways. You're just a, a random pig, after right. all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, may or may not uh, have been hate- at the Xavier game last night. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate to backtrack, but I got to get this one in from oh, our please. our good friend. Since I'm on this podcast in some way now, he's my friend too. Uh, Pat Brennan, the Cincinnati Enquirer. Mm-hmm. I think I have a great uncle from Grenada. Vasquez plots a new national team future after second goalless game. Uh, yeah, I know we've already we've already covered that, but uh, he could make a big impact on Grenada. I'm positive about that. Uh, what about I you, Grayson? Like, you got it? Oh, go sorry. I feel, like, I feel like Jack Warner could aid with some sort of a passport situation there to make sure that he was eligible to play for just about any Concacaf island nation. <laughs> I mean, he has only played in friendlies, so I'm pretty sure he could switch if he found a long lost relative somewhere. Uh, it does always remind me though of like Lacadia never committed to the Curacao national team. And I don't know why you wouldn't at that point in your career, because he would have easily walked into the starting 11 of the Curacao national team for a decade. But I guess, (laughs) I mean, if you don't, if you don't feel that, you know, nationality, maybe you don't go there, but like the Netherlands weren't going to come calling. Like, even if you broke out in MLS, you probably weren't making it back to to the Dutch national team. I don't know why you wouldn't go for that. I, I mean, don't, know. don't you reach like a certain point with national teams where it's the team is so bad around you. Why do I bother? Like, why why am I showing up to play for Curacao so that we can get our tails stomped in and not actually win anything and have to go disrupt my life to go get the shit beat out of us? <laughs> yeah, but then he went and played in Iran. And I feel like random trips to Curacao to go play like St. Vincent and the Grenadines or something like that would be way better than Persopolis away or whatever. So it's hard to yeah. understand Lacadia's motivations on a lot of things. I'm going to be honest. With That's he's a great point. A, <laughs> he's, a, he's a tough nut to crack. Actually, uh, I did appreciate uh, Pat Brennan's tweet of uh, at the site of Jurgen Lacadia's last MLS cap. Uh, Exploria Stadium. I really enjoyed that tweet. <laughs> I'm sure it was a great game, too. Um, did you guys see this one? This was in the uh, International Business Times. Um, mm. Big story from overseas. Mm. Berlin Part 2. Problems with Bunker as FCC repeatedly commits self-inflicted wounds. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Everyone's saying it. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of after last night. <laughs> the, uh, the-, the bunkering defense, not not friendly to FC Cincinnati. They, uh, they don't look comfortable possessing the ball and dictating tempo against a team that wants to sit back. So I'm, I'm curious if that's something we'll see more of going forward with this team. I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. Grayson? Probably, yeah. Probably. <laughs> I was gonna. That, I, that's the scintillating analysis you tune into the postcast for, right there. You think we're gonna see was, more of that? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I was yeah, gonna probably. make a headline about it, but I. Uh, I mean, I was gonna find one. Um, how many times did we see uh, Nick Hagland crossing midfield with the ball, like? leading yeah. like leading the charge <laughs> from the back i was like you know probably not how he drew it up with a, i think mascara had a long run at one point too he was like fuck it i'll keep it and like and it honestly Miyazka didn't did go too, horribly yeah. yeah yeah that's kind of what you had to do at that point i imagine Haglin getting like crossing midfield with the ball and like finding himself in the offensive half is like kind of like what somebody might have felt like 
uh, entering the Capitol on January 6th. Like, <laughs> what am I Never doing thought I'd here? Be here right. but... <laughs> a lot of things have gone wrong to, to, that, to allow me to be in this position. And I've I probably, always wanted to see I, this. <laughs> I should probably get back to where I'm from real quick. <laughs> Mine was going to be the Shire and Samwise Gamgee, but I, you're like where you went. <laughs> if I take one more step forward, this will be the farthest I've ever been. I'm not on a set piece. <laughs> The problem, though, is that you, you see Haglund venturing forward and it's like, oh, good for you. Getting forward, making something happen. Now I'm tremendously nervous that you're not where you're supposed to be. So could you please <laughs> get rid of the ball and go back there before something horrible happens? Yeah, I, I would like to see. I mean, if Mosquera is going to make this step up and he was clearly able to sprint back and recover like as needed throughout the night. I wouldn't mind him just becoming a midfielder in games like this and just adding more bodies to the possession and keeping the ball further up the field. If they're going to concede it, I want the pressure to be intense in that sense. And I don't I don't want three center backs at that point. Just put all the pressure on and then he can sprint back when the uh, the oh shit lever needs to be pulled. Didn't we want Jeff Cameron to do that? Because they were like, oh, he's played center mid before. Yes. And like it never, <laughs> yeah. it never happened. I will <laughs> but, continue uh, to want this yeah. to happen. <laughs> uh, on the bright side, um, I think uh, the oh, Hollywood no. reporter um, <laughs> no. came, came in with some praise. It was, uh, everybody loves Raymond. Ray Roman OB lead <laughs> FC the first shutout of the season. <laughs> What a journey. <laughs> By the time we got to the end of that, I'd gotten over being mad that you started it off with Brightside. <laughs> so they said, uh, speaking of Brightside, they said he would like at halftime, I was like ripping on Ray Gaddis and they were like, Bright Spot, Ray Gaddis is like, oh, I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> it's like, I mean, six it seemed one, like he I guess. Was he was threatening down the sidelines frequently, but then the yeah. problem was is that you'd see Ray Gaddis, you know, bombing towards the attacking end, and then nothing would happen. The ball would be down there, and then there would be no movement in, no didn't ball have a great in. Cross it just, on it him. just didn't do anything. Yeah. He doesn't he have Barrios' like, cross. Yeah. He, uh, he kind of looks like a guy who retired two years ago and was pulled back out of retirement <laughs> as a favor to a close friend. <laughs> Tough look for Alvis Powell. Yeah, did they explain what happened? Did Gaddis actually beat him out for the second spot there? I think they or... just trust him more on defense, which I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing like you are, but yeah. Well, I thought it was going to be, you know, Gaddis plays really conservatively and just plays more defensively and it frees up Al Alvaro to um, you know, run all over the place, but that didn't really seem to be what was what was happening no. at all. I mean, Gaddis was up the field quite a bit. Yeah. Doing Gaddis things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do it what he does. Um, but there was a bright spot substitution that I talked about in the Idaho potato. <laughs> up to the task. Ooh. Don Baji goes supernova, matching goal total of the entire starting front three. So is this the, the Baji <laughs> rebirth we've all been <laughs> clamoring for? Oh, yeah. Yet yet to get his first goal for FCC. This would be a great time, wouldn't it? 
Random British guy, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would be, the, wouldn't uh, it? The attacking no. trio of uh, Ordonez, Santos, and Baji is currently outscoring uh, Brenner, Vasquez, and Lucho. So that's that's probably a, a good thing. <laughs> I was excited for Santos to come in, which is, you know, oh, how things change. I was like, he'll yeah. change the game with his pace. Something different needs to happen, and Santos yeah. is different. <laughs> he, Look at his hair. Is he just... I know he's injury prone generally, but does just like regular tackles hurt him more as well? Or was that time wasting? Because <laughs> like every time somebody touched him, he really looked like he was in agony. I know. <laughs> A little bit of both. I'll, I'll bet we'll love it as soon as we start like getting leads and winning games where it's like, ah, we've got a guy with one hit point right now. This is exciting. Right. <laughs> um. Oh, Speaking man. of, what was your favorite memory of the Arius era? Apparently, he's already <laughs> he's already <laughs> hurt. So, what a journey we had! I guess they didn't. The trial needed one more week. Maybe I'm being pessimistic. Now, it's like the used car that is it's fixed up just enough to get off the lot and back to your house. That was the Arius. Like he got healthy enough just to get the contract signed and play one game. And it's like now, now we're just going to collect some checks, babe. Yeah, he smacked the hood. Gets up and down the line real good, real good. Right. I mean, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have played another hour after his you know knock if he was really really hurt right like when did the it, knock come i missed they, that. Said, they said it was like early ish in the game like in the first half against houston uh um, yeah i I'm feel just, like they're just holding him out because they're managing his minutes yeah that's what it felt like to me as well I hope so they're just trying to be super cautious with the guy <clears throat> He is the one who gets knocks. No. Yep. <laughs> we, t- we should we should find a good way to incorporate that one. I like that. Chief, uh, what you got for know. us? I don't know if you saw this one. This one was from um, the Albuquerque Gazette, I think. I don't know. Oh. No, that's it. Uh, that's not the Albuquerque Statesman? No, the, the Gazette. I don't know okay. where. I, yeah, it's a, the competing newspaper. Sexy XG? <laughs> FCC claims moral victory, which is still technically a victory. So um, the XG, very kind to us. The actual G, not too kind. That's what the crossbar will do for you. Yeah. I mean, you'd rather win that than not, right? So I guess. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I used to think about a possession, and then I saw that one tweet, and I was like, I don't want to win a possession battle anymore. It's for the loser, too. Which we did this game. So, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah. flipped it back on its head. I'm, I'm looking at a set here, 57% possession. Yeah. I, is that a good thing anymore? <laughs> Maybe that was our problem. They should make XG like a tiebreaker of some sort. Like, instead of, like, doing Ooh. a coin flip when it gets down to it, your XG should determine whether or not you... Like, it's got to be below the actual metrics, but it should count to a certain level that you kind of should have scored more goals than you really did. I'm for it. Shots is a tiebreaker at some point. That'd be fucking hilarious. Just all the errant people just blasting it from You're just on decision day, and it's like, we know it's going to be close. You're just peppering the goal with shots just to try and up the number. Just to anger the Europeans. I'm all for it. What the fuck is this shit? It would be equally amazing soccer and terrible soccer all at the same time. We had some corners this week. That was nice. Yeah, it was fun for the first time. It was neat. Thank you. I think we had one corner, though. I don't remember. All I remember about the corner. 
All I remember about the corners was that every time Orlando took a corner, the announcers wanted to chastise like, oh, they've got a 2v1 there if they want to play it. And they never did. Every corner went right into the box. But they really, really wanted to make it a thing that we're not defending the two men uh, out Noon- there. Like, Noonan's no. going to write that down for sure. Okay. I think he's okay. This doesn't seem like a big deal at all. Uh, that is true, though. We haven't had enough corners to know if we've finally gotten rid of that uh, that awful Barrial and Lucho stand right next to each other for mm-hmm. an absolutely pointless dead ball situation. Yeah. I. Yeah, we had one corner. You're right. <laughs> Two games, one corner, baby. That's, That's pretty crazy. Eighty-eight percent passing accuracy. That's that like good. almost twenty points higher from last week. I think yeah, we're What's firing the, on our cylinders. Everything but goals. Average baby. in the Premier League. Like I don't know what like a good high seventy. Yeah, should, should I hate this number or should I like this number? That's the tough. Right. <laughs> I need to know how That's to feel <laughs> in order to give a take. We should be telling the people how to feel. That's what we do here. That's true. Ninety percent. That feels good. <clears throat> I got I got can I get my last uh, last headline I found it's, and I want to you know I hate to you know I guess we're all one big family but this is from CST so I got to oh, give them good. credit Yeah no they're good <clears throat> Albright briefs reporters at Team Hotel on the player's status quote <laughs> they're going to bed but my stomach is sick it's all in my head but I'm still pounding my Chest after earning a point. <laughs> so, uh, I, I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, can't stop. And before I go, Kevin, please uh, shout out to you, my favorite local writer. Um, oh, good. This was this is from our own Kevin Wallace. I'd hit it. Accepting my attraction to Kingston, the psychotic dreadlocked lion mascot of Orlando City. Kevin, <laughs> welcome home. We all feel it. <laughs> we don't know why it makes us feel the way it does, but there's something about uh, his name's Kingston, the dreadlocked lion. <laughs> something seems slightly <laughs> off about that, too. Um, why, why is there a Jamaican lion? No one's quite sure. But uh, uh, Also low-key jacked, too. Like the photos oh of yeah. Kingston, he oh definitely yeah. looks like he's been on a little bit of the vitamin S. <laughs> there could I, be a uh, lady in that suit or a man we don't know and it doesn't matter we're yeah. for it <laughs> uh all i want to say is uh i don't get to choose what i'm attracted to so i would uh, appreciate uh my family's privacy being respectful <laughs> <laughs> your enemies are licking their chops right now <laughs> Hey, but you're busy licking <laughs> Kingston's dreadlocks. We don't care. If Kingston's what takes me down, so be it. Let the chips fall where they may. <laughs> All right, wife knocked on the door. I'm going to hang up and listen. Guys, tell me how to feel about this week and tell me what to bet on next week. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the listeners' times and um, can't wait to be a part of that 5K. Right? Uh, is that it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll all be down there in Prince. <laughs> it's for the kids. All right. God bless you, Jonah. Thank you. No. God Fries bless together. you all. Fries together. If there that's he goes. how we get Jonah to sign off every week, that would be incredible. <laughs> Rise together, fries together. Oh Andy's God. Out. Gentlemen. Sir, this game. It I realized happened. <laughs> I realized last week probably should have done a, a little bit better job of like setting the scene for the game before talking about it. I mean, obviously, I love starting off with the headlines. That's great. It gives you the 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 
great introduction to the game. But I realize should probably just very quickly mention the starting lineup. Dare I steal more and more from KLR? Uh, but this game, two changes from the previous week was Celentano, Mosquera, Miazga, Hagland as your defense. It was Barriol on the left wing and Ray Gattis on the right wing there. Moreno, Woboto, and Acosta starting in midfield. Vasquez up top alongside his old friend Brenner alongside him. Uh, what was your feelings, Chief, when you saw Ray Gaddis in the lineup? Um, a reminder that Ray Gaddis was on the team, I think, was the <laughs> the first thing. Um, Ray, Ray is the definition of fine. He's fine. He's not yeah. great. He's not terrible. He's not going to embarrass you. So I, I wasn't that worried. I was happy to see Brenner starting that should have probably happened last week, but hard to argue with the way the results were. But no, you, you see the lineup FC Cincinnati's going with. You see the Orlando City lineup with the aforementioned squad rotation. And I looked at this game an hour out when the lineups got released, and I felt really good about them taking three points in this game, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Grayson, what was, uh, I don't know, initial reactions to seeing both the lineups there? Um, well, I didn't actually see the Orlando lineup until like the game started because I wasn't on I wasn't Fair. on Twitter, so I didn't have a reaction to it. But uh, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I wasn't pumped about seeing seeing Gaddis start, not because I have anything against Gaddis, but um, I, I like Pal a little yeah. bit better um, in the formation that they play, in the style they play. Um, good to see Brenner back starting though. Yeah, that was. I'm glad he wasn't being like completely frozen out or was still needing time to get back. It was good to see that things were smoothed over pretty quickly. Uh, Chief, I believe you you flagged this one as well. Uh, Santos immediately running over to Brenner after the goal was scored last week was a good sign that like things were going well yep. behind the scenes. So yeah, I, I thought that was great as well. And I agree, Pal gives you so much more. And like this game didn't disprove that. Like he's he can do everything Gaddis can do, but he also can like cut inside and offer something in possession and will shoot, which is like sometimes a bad thing. But this game needed somebody to just shoot or just to try to dribble at four guys. And um, I mean, Pound can yeah. get the ball down to the end line, right? Right. And then occasionally right. he can. He's he's not the most you know, technically proficient offensive player on the team, but he's positive minded, you know, like, yeah, he, he takes the ball forward. He takes the ball forward at speed. He tries stuff. He certainly tries a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and sometimes, you know, it, if, if nothing else, you know, creating a little bit of chaos, unsettling the defense that, that leads to good things sometimes. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I feel like, and certainly in the past, we've seen Pal play unpredictability at both ends of the field. But um, I think he's been pretty good defensively since they brought him back, and he's been playing in in Noonan's uh, system. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why, like, he was highly regarded in Portland, uh, allegedly Koch had to <laughs> go back on a gentleman's agreement even to draft him or to, uh, uh, I think we drafted him in the expansion draft or we traded for him something wonky along those lines that uh, Portland wasn't too thrilled about. Uh, he went on to go start for Miami after that and then started a lot of games for Philly two years ago. So like, he would start for a lot of MLS teams. Again, super weird that Ray Gaddis starts ahead of him, and maybe there was something specifically they wanted. Uh, and Jonah noticed this as well. I, I kind of like this new thing. Uh, it would appear that our center backs, one at a time, have permission to just scream Leroy Jenkins and run <laughs> into the box. This is this is a lovely new wrinkle tactically. <laughs> I, I'm, is it a new wrinkle tactically, or is it just the fact that Orlando was showing absolutely no ambition to push forward or to push up? And it's like, well, we may as well let one guy venture forward and try and flood some numbers into the zone a little bit. I, I think it's if you see it continuing, we can say it's a trend, but it's it's hard to judge that right now just based on how, I mean, how utterly unambitious Orlando was for the majority of this game. They yeah. showed no desire to possess. They showed no desire to put pressure outside of a few key instances, no desire to put pressure on FC Cincinnati. And yeah, why wouldn't you take a run at things? They, I mean, they had to do something to try and collapse the defense a little bit in some regards and nothing else they did was working so i was happy to see them try that for a change it was fun even though i was there is the existential terror of i, I, I get back on defense now like <laughs> yeah. right right the, but the the defense i thought played really really well oh i agree and for all for all you want to say you know orlando started the b team or whatever that was mostly defensive rotation. Mm -hmm. um, they still had a DP number nine starting the game. Uh, they had Pereira, who was a DP last year. Um, and they had Facundo Torres, who was like linked to fucking Arsenal. Right. In the right. offseason. Like th this was these are good. These were good players that Orlando put out, particularly on offense. And um, they were less threatening than Houston was. Absolutely. Yeah. By a wide margin. And not only were they less threatening than Houston was, um, part of that, it, it's all, all on the defending. The set piece defending was exponentially better than it was last week against Houston. And Mosquera, who we talked about during the headlines, he was my man of the match in terms of um, his ability and his calmness, not only stepping forward to dispossess, but also breaking up several counterattacks during the course of this game. It, mm -hmm. Even when, when, when Orlando got the ball upfield, the rare chances it did, Celentano was rarely troubled. I think they had maybe one shot that was sort of from an angle that looked like, okay, if that had been better taken, Celentano might have been in trouble. But for the most part, most of the balls he had to field were weak. Um, their crosses yeah. were non-threatening. They didn't get anyone into dangerous positions. No, I thought the defense, Miazga, you can always tell when a center back's having a great game when no one mentions him for long stretches of time. And like Miazga <laughs> might have gotten three name checks during the entirety of the game. And just it was it was a very good effort from the back line 
Um, but I think part of that too was the fact that Orlando didn't want to build anything or build to any um any strikes or any any offensive sets. It was all, you know, let's see if we can run and pick them on the counter. And credit to the defense, they shut everything down and they never really got troubled by it. But just the the rotational parts that they were playing just didn't give their their front line a lot of opportunities, I didn't think. Yeah. It was a it was a weird strategy from Orlando. I guess the idea was that they were just going to bunker, bunker, bunker and hit on the break. But with the defensive rotations that they made, they weren't very good at springing the counterattack. And so they just kind of were on the back foot most of the time. Yeah, they had a couple of counters, but like you said, Chief, they didn't look particularly dangerous. And anything that did, either Mosquera had it covered or Roboto would intercept the key pass. Like that dude was just out there, you know, Champ Bailey style, just intercepting everything going by him. Uh, Incredible, incredible game from him. Again, if the improvements uh, continue from week one, to week two to week three with Wobodo, he's going back to Europe. <laughs> like that was just an incredible <laughs> performance as well. Uh, broke up just about everything in that midfield and did so in a way that he would steal the ball and was able to immediately turn it to something. There was always an immediate outlet and quickly got the ball back up the field, which is something that they were missing last week. So no, it was, it was it, really it good was, to see. That part was awful last week, that they yeah. were unable to, 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 to take the ball and maintain possession. So like where they, where they died last week was there would be a pass breakup or they would intercept the ball, but then their very next pass would be intercepted right back or they wouldn't be able to yep. make the second pass to start a, a build up to something. And this week, the midfield was much better in that regard. I agree. Wilboto had an incredible game um, where this team got let down this week. I I, I think we've, we've got to talk about it. It yeah. was the, the, the big three, the, the killers as you <laughs> dubbed them on Friday to my disgust. Um, uh, I- this was <laughs> I'll say it. This was a bad game from Brenner, Vasquez, Lucho a little less um, because I think Lucho had some good moments in the midfield in his non-attacking um, moments. But the the final, the attacking third, the big three from this team, they, they no showed this game. And that's the reason for the, the scoreline. You know, I, the game is entirely different if Brenner scores that early chance like yeah yeah but he didn't i know i know but i'm saying like the mar the margins that you that you deal with uh are sometimes just that fine you know because not only do we feel better that brenner got on the score sheet right but also orlando probably has to stop bunkering yep uh the game opens up a bit you know and it's just you have to this is dumb and it's like a dumb thing to say, right? But you have to put your chances away. Yeah. Uh, I'm not particularly worried about it right now. You know, if it continues, I'll be, I'll be more worried. Although Seattle is maybe not the game to expect uh, <laughs> to put, to put all your hopes of seeing improvement on, but yeah, uh, we'll see. Well, here's the pro here's the problem though is that, okay, so I wasn't worried last week that Brenner and Vasquez and Lucho got shut out. I'm not worried this week, but 
the needles moving slightly. You go to next sure. week, and if all three of them aren't on the uh, on the score sheet, you're talking about almost ten percent of the season gone by, and we haven't had a single goal from any of the people that we're paying a lot of money to score goals to. And from their point of view, it's okay. Vasquez and Brenner want to go to Europe. They're not off to a flying start in terms of announcing their candidacy for a big time in Brenner's case, summer move or Vasquez, whatever his move's going to be. And you're right. I mean, I'm not worried because yeah, Vasquez has that incredible opportunity in front of net and inexplicably decides to go the one place where he has no margin for error and that's over the top of the keeper and hits the crossbar. Um, right. Brenner hits one with pace that, you know, just right at the keeper from outside the box. Love seeing him shoot from outside again. That's a trend I want to see continuing. Um, I think Lucho pulled one just wide. That was maybe two feet wide that he could have probably done more with. Um, so, no, I'm not worried because they're creating chances. But I said it online earlier. Um it's going to be a narrative until it stops being a narrative and it stops being a narrative when they start scoring. And this team is, they have four points on the season right now. It's going to be a slog for this team. If they don't get start getting production in a hurry from those three. Yeah. Well, I don't know that thinking about it as 10%, you know, after three games, it's 10% of the season. I don't know if that's like the right way of thinking about it because you don't score goals like, in perfect proportion to the number of games over the course of the season, you go a couple games. Like Brandon went however many games in the middle of the season last year without scoring. Brenner didn't score until almost July, which obviously is not going to be good enough for him this year. But um, whenever they get started is when they get started, and I'm I'm not gonna like it's it's a problem in this one game that they didn't yeah. score. But I'm not I'm not going to buy into the idea that it's a problem for the team for the season until we're like four or five games in. Yeah, I think that's fair to to not panic until you're yeah four or five games in. But uh, Chief, to your point, if these guys have higher aspirations, they got to move quick. Right, but like, okay, you're not going to panic until it's four games. Right, it's already two. We're already halfway to panic stage. Right, right it's now. not four. No, because it's because that's not how it goes. It's not like it's not like I panic a little bit until I build up to full panic after four, so four just, or five. I said. So it's, when you hit four, it's, it's just, just all of a sudden panicking. it's panic. There's no pan, there's no premonition of panic or like pre-panic. I mean, you don't no. just go right to DefCon one. You got to start. You move down. Wait, is it one the bad one or is five the bad one? I always so it'll be a little. Let's say it'll be a little bit of it'll be a little (laughs) bit of concern, right? Building toward panic after four or five games. But I I mean, I think about this too because I I believe Chief, you were a part of some of these conversations back when they were happening. Yapstam and and Nykamp tried to pacify some of the uh, the fans during the the worst of their worst days by explaining, well, see, if we had just scored on these couple of shots, this team would be really good, and we will have won all of these games. Uh, but like the system they had built wasn't generating any shots. I think I would be concerned if FCC only got one or two shots on target this game. That's a problem because then 
you don't let your guys score 50% of their shots because you're only taking one or two, and you just don't have the opportunity to get the ball in the back of the net. Whereas in this game, they had their chances. Yes, I would have liked to have seen more. I would have liked to have seen this team win 20 to nothing. Uh, but the the system is built in such a way that they are getting scoring chances. And last week showed that we don't necessarily need to rely on them for success to befall this team. So... I'm not panicking yet. No, I'm not, if I'm we not, go, yeah. I, hand up. I'm not panicking. Okay. This is not me panicking. I am just Chief, saying. stop panicking. I'm like, I'm, who the hell is saying I'm panicking? No. <laughs> it is just something I'm keeping an eye on is where we're at right now. We're not at panic. We're at keeping an eye on at stage right now. And I'm keeping an eye on the fact that every season preview about this team, the one we did, the anyone you're going to want to read, this team starts and stops with the offense it's with its attacking trio with its big three and this is the second straight game they've no showed in spectacular fashion both weeks um you're talking point blank misses uh in both games from multiple members of the contingency and not for nothing it's something that's worth keeping an eye on that if brenner is gonna go in the summertime Mm-hmm. All of these games we're playing now mean a little bit more because if he leaves in July or August, then we're going to have to play the back stretch of the season, probably without a DP striker, unless they've got someone queued up to bring in. And even if they have someone queued up to bring in, you're going to talk about an onboarding process that's going to take a little bit of time before that person is or whoever they bring in is is up to speed. So you look at games like this and as, as much as I hate to, to say it, that you're playing a, uh, an Orlando city team that was very content with a draw and very content to bunker in and, and, and rest ahead of their big Tuesday game. And you drop two points, I think from a certain standpoint, looking at this game on paper last night because you couldn't score and because the, the, the attacking trio didn't show up. And I just, I, I, I don't want to be in a situation where it comes into September and October and you're wishing you would have gotten more out of the games when your full starting 11 was present. And so I'm just, like I said, keeping an eye on it right now. I think there's two ways to look at a, to look at a game, whether it's points game, points gained or points dropped. There's like <clears throat> the big picture season picture, right? Which is just, you look at the schedule and you're like, okay, beat the bad teams, win a lot of home games, pick up as many points as possible on the road. You know, a road point is a is a point one. And then there's after having seen the game actually play out and then seeing how you actually played in that game, where like last night, we were clearly the better team. We're generating the most chances, uh, should have had a couple of goals. It feels like points dropped because of the actual, because we've actually seen the process of the game play out. Yeah. But... I, I'm still just, I'm going to keep thinking of it as we went on the road to a playoff team and picked up a point, Yeah, you know, which is, yeah. which is a good result every day. And chief to our credit and Jonah's through two games, our predictions are looking pretty damn good. Not the, not the predictions <laughs> that count though. <laughs> right not, no not not the week in week out updated information we are actually more accurate with less information which can't be good for our predictive skills <laughs> i mean isn't that sort of like the motto of the postcast we do better when we know less 
<laughs> I'm really this hoping is, that's how the uh, club access pans out for us. So <laughs> it's actually like one of my one of my uh, working theories for the for the world is that a lot of times uh, your your decision making can be better with less information because you're just going off of like you know your general read and general experience, yeah. which is going to be like more reliable than if you try to dig into information. Well, like you're not going to dig, you're not going to get like the whole universe of relevant information. So whatever you, whatever information you get is going to be incomplete and skewed in some way. And you're going to over rely on information. You shouldn't really be over relying on. And you're better off just, just, just feeling things out. I love that. Unless you want to be like, a, unless you want to get in and get like a fucking like PhD in something, you know, like, Right. I like this because your gut reaction, your brain has already subconsciously absorbed a ton of information and weights it all the same. So it's recognizing that these things exist and that's what your gut reaction is built off of. But yeah, the second you start digging in, you start blocking that piece out and you start focusing in and yeah, you get led astray if you start chasing down a particular red herring or whatever. I love this idea. I'm going to just stop learning. I'm convinced. (laughs) I mean, knowledge is the enemy of the hot take, if we're being honest. Yes. The more you know, the less less fire your takes have because you're always going to be thinking and second guessing yourself. The best way to live, especially in sports, is just to fire off the first thing that comes into your head. This is the, uh, if, the- you, if you're not right, at the very least, you're probably going to be a little more entertaining. <laughs> and life is too short to give mild takes, which is why, this- like I said, I'm not panicking, but. I'm aware the button exists right now. That's my take. <laughs> so you're, you're reaching over and you're feeling where it is. Just, gotcha. I'm, not, I'm not even reaching over. I'm I'm just looking up, like looking on the console. I'm noticing the panic button is here. It isn't illuminated <laughs> yet, but I'm just it's out of the corner of my eye. And I'm going to start noticing it a lot more when I'm looking around. Chief, do you remember the uh, the Xbox video game Steel Battalion? Absolutely. Famously oh, came <laughs> with, with the, the giant controller. <laughs> the $200 controller. <laughs> but it had a plastic cover over the ejector button. You had to flip the plastic uh, cover over and hit the button for your guy to eject, or else you had to restart the entire campaign. That was, that was the stakes of the ejector button. If you ejected, you could restart at the level you died at. This is Great. a this is a wild tangent. <laughs> But I, I love one of my favorite things to see in modern society are people that build elaborate gaming rigs just to play yes. one specific game now. Yes. So like it used to be like Steel Battalion. Yeah. OK, that came with everything you needed. And you yeah. would you were just a hard if you had that. And of course, like with the re-release of Microsoft Flight Simulator. Now there's a lot of people that have the flight simulator setups and everything like that with the screens. I saw a thing the other day where someone had built a full big rig simulator to play <laughs> trucking. There was like some trucking simulator, but you it was every simulator. Yeah. yeah, no, it had like the giant ass gear shift down on the floor. It had six, seven flat panel displays that were all round so that you could have full 360. The fucker had even set up the giant truck mirrors. So you could check with smaller L- with smaller LCD screens so he could check his mirrors in the truck that he was fake driving. And it's just a dude 
you know, slowly meandering down a hill, passing people, driving a semi truck in a ten thousand dollar setup. <laughs> that so at that point, because you play the trucking simulator to drive the actual distances in real time, right? Yeah. And if you have the time to fake drive from Kansas City to Denver, why not just get a job doing it? <laughs> like it's the same thing at right. that point. <laughs> no, it's it's arguably worse because every five hours you can't take a break and find a lot lizard somewhere. You're stuck in your home. <laughs> That's not cool. <laughs> exactly that's exactly what i was thinking uh <laughs> exactly was, that <laughs> was, oh my god no the uh i like this no uh chief your point about uh shooting from the hip especially sports takes that is the am radio defense of the dunning kruger effect i believe so yes i think i think that's a, a really good example in the historical in the historical setting is like the civil war where mm. if you're just like a regular idiot you're like oh yeah that was about slavery but then there's you could read like twenty books, right, and right. convince yourself that like it was tariffs or it, something. It was yeah. it was some, it was just like some other thing. It, it was right? an, an inevitable consequence of uh, federalism and the subor- sub- subjugation of states' rights to national rights. It's like no, no, you've learned too much and you've lost the yeah. thread. It was about slavery, right. <laughs> absolutely. No, it was. You telling me it wasn't about the issue that was at the, at the center of like every single internal conflict since the nation was founded. <laughs> I, anyway, I had, a, I had a hot take back in the day. This is a oh. high, this is a high school hot take that the <laughs> only reason good. <laughs> the only reason anyone ever became a U.S. history teacher was they they loved the Civil War. That like where you broke down in college in terms of like what kind of teacher am I going to be? It's like a binary, like a it was like one of those um the flow charts to try and make a determination of something. And it's do you love the Civil War more than any other topic you have ever studied? Yes. Congratulations. <laughs> You're going to be an AP U.S. history teacher. And then, as a result, like there are there are entire periods of American history I know nothing about because every history teacher I ever had was just a rush to get to the Civil War. Then we spent just an ass load of time on the Civil War. And then, yeah, there was a reconstruction and eventually a bunch of presidents got shot in the, ni- in the 1900s. So hey, you'll figure it out. You'll figure the rest out. You just never yeah. make it any further than that. So my my cousin got married like two years ago, and her husband is, I guess, like a Civil War reenactor. And all of his I guess all of his buddies are also like Civil War reenactors. Uh, the Union side. And everyone's asking, yeah, what no, side? You gotta everyone's, ask. asking, everyone's thinking, yeah. what side? Union I side. don't know if it's polite to ask, but yes. Um, <laughs> but uh, so at, at their wedding, um, the them, the wedding party and a bunch of the guests dressed in like civil war era uh clothes like and then wear? okay what no like, so the guys dressed as like union soldiers like dress blues. Okay. yeah and the, okay. yeah and the women wore you know old-timey dresses or whatever i mean i don't know the words uh, but uh, but as they as they after, right after they got married and they're like walking out back down the aisle to to leave his friends are all like saluting like holding uh swords in the air in some mm. type of like salute, right? But then um, they 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 try to put them down into the little holders, but these are like kind of big guys, like all of them, and they don't have like the dexterity to like hold their arm out all the way <laughs> and like bend it to get the sword. So they're all just holding the sword at their side, <laughs> like next to the holder. <laughs> Very funny. I've often wondered, how do you become like, what is it that gets you into 
Civil War Revolutionary War reenactment because it's like it's such a it's it's not like okay I understand people that dress up and go to comic book conventions because like I don't well, I, <laughs> just kidding okay, I, I, fair 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 but like you love some show like you love you love Star Trek or you love Star Wars so you show up dressed as a Jedi and walk around the convention and do all that but what is it that motivates the person to say you know what I like the Civil War. I like reading books about the Civil War. You know, it'd be a lot of fun if I dressed up and pretended I was in the Civil War. Like, wh what is it that makes that jump for a person? What is it that, like, you figure out that that's your thing? I don't and know, why... but there's a lot of men out there who's like, where, like, the only novel that they've read by choice is, like, The Killer Angels. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny that it is exclusively American Civil War. Like, I'm sure Revolutionary War reenactors exist, but they're not nearly as popular. And then, like, where are the Korean War reenactors or the the Somalian uh, military intervention reenactors? Like, you can you do, know. like, Spanish Civil War. I mean, Ooh. you can read uh, what for whom the bell tolls, because you know, yeah, there's ladies there. I guess there's <laughs> you really can have the the invasion of the Philippines. Like, <laughs> I guess there's really no World War One reenactors because you would just dig a ditch and sit in it the entire time until somebody sets off a uh, tear gas canister right. and everybody goes home. Right. Like mustard <laughs> gas just ends all of this. I don't know. I just I don't, and especially before the internet. Like, what was it like? I get now. You can probably Google how to become a Civil War reenactor right. and get all the information you need. But you go back like 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't like you, what did you do? Did you mail away to the back of Soldier of Fortune magazine for more information <laughs> on how to reenact a war? Just go to the VFW hall. They probably have like cork, cork board up there. That uh... <laughs> Looking for warm bodies, which was yeah. also the exact recruitment pitch during the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, charitably, I assume you're reenacting a family member, right? So like my great great grandfather fought in the Civil War, so I'm going to cosplay my great great grandfather at the county fair or whatever. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, gentlemen, how did you enjoy your Apple TV viewing experience? I assume We've watched this game, whether whether on a, a tape delay or not. Uh, Chief, how was how was your experience inside of CentOS Center? Um, signal quality strong, picture quality strong. <laughs> um, I'll admit I had to go back and rewatch the match at the uh, gym in anticipation of taping the podcast. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, picture quality is good. It's weird. They, they have some weird camera angle choices where occasionally the action is a little too far away to see what's going on and they never try to zoom in or get any closer to what's happening which was a little weird mm -hmm. and um the commentary was a little annoying in that they they had three things they wanted to talk about and god damn it they were going to keep talking about all three of those things over and over again um hey did you hear orlando city is rotating ahead of a tuesday midweek game <laughs> fuck i didn't know man that's that's it's insightful shit um no it's fine i i like the fact that i don't have to think about where to find the match it's like okay here it is click the button it's on my phone i understand if you're one of those green bubble people you may be having problems with this and hating it but no nah, it's, it's easy <laughs> Grayson. I, I watched it at the pitch, so I don't think it's like mm. it's, it's not a pure experience to judge the quality of the game, right? 
Um, but how was it at the, the bar? I know that was a big controversy about whether or not they would even be available at the bars. Well, there was that. There was the sound issue, but I think mm-hmm. that was that. I think everybody had that. Yeah. So that I, was I not, thought that was a at the time. I thought it was just a bar uh, well, I situation. My, I, I thought my AirPods were going bad. Um, like I, <laughs> I did too, actually. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it looked good. There was there was a lot of people there. Um, mm-hmm. I was impressed at how many people uh, came out for for the game. Uh, my biggest problem was. Oh, you're like, talking about the pitch. I thought you were talking yeah. about like Orlando City. I was impressed how many people were at the game. No, no, no. Sorry, I completely mistook where that was going. No, at the at the pitch. At the pitch. <laughs> I was um, not impressed with the number of yeah, people no, in no, Orlando. No, no, no. There might have been more people at the pitch for sure. Um, but my my biggest problem was that there was like a guy who kept stepping like in my line of vision. Um, but yeah, bar you know, problems. I, th- I, I thought that the. I thought the picture. I mean, I've been impressed with all the Apple games. I mean, they haven't been mm-hmm. they haven't been perfect by any means, but I think we're we're comparing them not against like a perfect ideal stream. Right. We're comparing them against past. You know how MLS has been shown in the past, and it still feels like a market upgrade. The other thing that yeah. I, I noticed about yeah. the uh, broadcast, I noticed this with a couple of games I watched last week is that Apple is doing a fantastic job of miking the crowd and making the crowd noise actually feel big. Um, so I know that you looked on TV and it didn't seem like there were a lot of people there for Orlando, but goddamn, did the crowd sound good on the live mic? And I was like, <laughs> Oh yeah, this is, if you're trying to sell the experience of going to an MLS game, the Apple TV deal is doing a, the way they have these games produced is doing a very good job of that, I thought. I, I yeah. put the LAFC game on uh, as I was getting ready to go out yesterday just to – I watched – I was able to catch you know, the first five, ten minutes of the game. I, whatever um, whatever Chiellini I, – I left just after Chiellini scored, whatever, mm. whatever minute that was. But um, that looked great, and that sounded great. And be, like delivering those LAFC games – um in apple quality uh is making frankly as many of those lafc games uh the free game as possible <laughs> yes <laughs> um i think i think you i think you get a lot of people who would probably be pretty impressed um by the product and so you know just making the orlando crowd sound good is is one thing but having like an actual really good atmosphere. And I haven't watched one of our home games, so I don't see, I don't know how they come across, but like having an actually really good packed stadium, excited crowd, um, that's that's great TV. And yeah. that's like, that's where I think we're seeing a lot of difference between what, what they're delivering with Apple versus what um, what they had before. Yeah, the, the the ESPN broadcasts were fine, like they were generally fine, but they didn't have nearly as many cameras. So in that sense, MLS is still getting used to just having this many cameras to play with in a given broadcast and getting the the all of the new crews that they've gone out and hired to work the the broadcast trucks the production trucks uh to get them used to you know 
flipping over to this camera, this camera. Uh, that's just going to come with time. And I agree. The biggest thing is that the crowds sound really good. And that has always been MLS's selling point, which is it may not be the prettiest product on the field, but once you get a taste of the environment, you'll probably become a fan that they, they can, they trust their fans enough to produce an exciting enough environment to sell the league. And if you can try to bring as much of that into the home as possible, you're, you're going to do really well. And I, uh, I watched the the home opener uh, back and I want to say the drums sounded better than any other broadcast we've ever had. They were like really well mic'd and you could really tell which chance you were in at any one time. If you're familiar with the chance uh, versus before it was very muddled unless the entire stadium was doing it. So, so really I, I do have I do have one question about these broadcasts and, you know, maybe I missed it because, mm. you know, I was at the bar and you're getting a getting a drink at halftime or whatever but yeah do they do they not do any type of coach interview as they're leaving the the field or anything i haven't seen it no i don't think they have a sideline reporter yeah. for the tv broadcasts uh which is interesting and maybe that's something that comes later like as in later seasons maybe they try to hire those positions for this season but i would doubt it um then do they not have like a halftime show or much of a halftime show at all so chief correct me if i'm wrong i I was also putting kids to bed at halftime and I chiefs watching the Xavier gaming here at the bar were the worst three people to ask how the halftime presentation was. No, because when I watched the game back, there wasn't a halftime show in the replay. Yeah. It just cuts to cameras mm. on the field of people milling about and training and whatnot. And like yeah. you, I'm, I'm at Cintas. I'm watching this. It's senior night. Um, yeah, they gave they gave all the graduating seniors the fucking swords. It was one of the coolest <laughs> things I've ever seen. They, graduating from Xavier now gets you an engraved sword with your name on it, which if I'm JP McCure or Trayvon Blewett, I'm like, where the hell was this shit when we were setting scoring records? You're giving it to Jack Nungy and Adam <laughs> Kunkel and we don't get a sword get the hell out of here. This town has just gone sword crazy. Right. <laughs> Swords everywhere. Um, yeah, I thought we were going to get a halftime show. And then I did. I do remember making this mistake uh, flipped over uh, right as halftime. hit. I was like, oh, I know this would be great. I'll hit the MLS 360 show so I can like catch up on the whip around and see what's going on. But of course, all of the games start at the same time. So all of the games are at halftime at the same time. And the 360 was just at commercial as well. So it's like, all right, well, I don't know what exactly I was expecting, but they're not doing anything either. <laughs> now, the, 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 the broadcast for Apple TV, they're going to need to improve in some areas. And there's also some things that are just annoying uh, that I just that have been annoying about moving to a streaming platform, like the idea of I would like to have two games on at the same time and just give me an easy option to hit this button. And I go back and forth between the two games that I'm watching where, OK, this one just went to half. Well, there might be some extra stoppage time in this other game or this game's on an injury. Somebody's mm -hmm. rolling around. I'd like to flip back to this other game that improving that would be nice. Um, and just um, more of a post game presence. I'd like to see more post game content that comes after these games are over than just I think there's a half hour show when 
you have 10 games kicking off on a Saturday night. I think there should be more than a half hour of, of post-game analysis. I, I can't imagine any sport does that. I mean, the NBA on TNT, they've got inside the NBA that goes for two hours and is arguably more entertaining than most regular season NBA games. The NFL, they've got hour-long post-game show, multi-hour-long post-game shows. I, I, it's just I would like to see more of that added in to the Apple broadcasts. And then, you know, you might not have, again, great – podcast to listen to in terms of all of us paying attention to things but when i when i watched the game back the, the one thing that did stuck out to me is that the commentary is still not doing a great job at telling and informing about who the players are and what's going on on the field like there's very little tactical analysis of what's mm-hmm. happening still which i i wish there was more of and honestly i don't I don't follow MLS as closely as a lot of people do. I follow FC Cincinnati really closely and there's certain things around the league. I know, but I didn't feel like I walked away from this game, learning a lot about what Orlando city is as a team. And it would be nice if you watched these games and you walked away from them thinking, Oh, now that we've played Orlando city, the next time I see them, I'll know what to look for, or I'll know what's going on or what they do. And I, I just, I didn't get smarter watching this, this broadcast. It didn't insult my intelligence, which I'll give it credit for, but it would be nice if these broadcasts did take the position of it's one thing when it's your Homer announced team and they just talk about your team the entire time. Right. And I can get that by flipping over to, to Tommy at the home games, but in these games, I, I would like them to assume I probably don't know anything about Orlando if I'm an FC Cincinnati fan and, and vice versa for that matter. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. And it does feel like they're missing one of two marks there, which is the people watching these games are MLS fans. Like you can talk soccer to them. Like you can talk so- uh, tactics to them. You can talk, you know, soccer terminology and you can assume on some level that they're knowledgeable soccer fans. So you can play that up. You don't have to do like the Fox world cup broadcast and like explain what a corner kick is. Uh, But at the same time, MLS in moving to this platform is trying to de-regionalize itself. It's trying to solve the problem that baseball has run into and the problem that the NFL absolutely does not have, which is everybody knows everything about this league at any one time. And so, yeah, you need a lot more of, those stories and the narrative being told about these teams because if you didn't know Hector Herrera was like a Mexican national team legend that spent most of his career playing in Europe you wouldn't have gotten that from the Houston gaming you wouldn't understand that Fagundo Torres is one of the hottest prospects in MLS listening to this broadcast if you knew that going in the commentary kind of makes sense but to an FCC audience who is listening to this broadcast they're not going to be as familiar because in the past, all of their games have been Kevin and Tommy, who I don't necessarily think it was their job to tell those stories. And I think they actually did a half decent job of telling some of those stories before, but you're just not getting them at all now. So I, uh, yeah, growing pains, right? Week two, there was some some technical hiccups and whatnot, but uh, I will say the the MLS 360 show much improved versus where it was last week from what I watched. Uh, last week, they had them like, they had the, the commentators sitting in chairs and then the game was being projected onto TV screens behind them. And that's how you were supposed to be watching, kind of like the NFL Red Zone. Like you're supposed to be watching the monitor behind the studio analysts, whereas this time around, they 
did it much better of like putting the presentation front and center, having a featured game at the bottom of a ticker with all sorts of stats and then a running live scoreboard. It was very, very well done uh, this time around. So they're making improvements here and there. So I don't know if anybody's listening to this, but yeah, (laughs) you're doing a good job. (laughs) The the important thing to remember, too, is it's so much like you said earlier, it's so much better than the coverage state of this league was even a year ago. And it's come so far and it sounds like they're financially motivated to keep this relationship working. Although I have not seen and I've been looking for it. I have not seen any reports on viewership on these games on Mm -hmm. Apple TV. I would assume that they're keeping that under lock and key in Cupertino. Uh, But it's it's I would be very curious to know what kind of numbers these streams are doing, because it wouldn't shock me if a game like last night behind a paywall between two small, smaller market MLS teams, if that game did under 50,000 streams. Yeah. I mean, these numbers could be frighteningly small for the time being until the service sort of gets a little bit more traction. So yeah. The Athletic yeah. did have an article about that topic that like nobody knows how many people are watching on um apple tv but just an interesting number to me is the nashville nycfc game was on fox um to start this season yeah and they had an average of three hundred and ninety thousand viewers that's so bad Uh, but the the opening game last year also on fox got 436,000 viewers. So they're not getting, at least the, the opening game didn't have, you know, that many fewer people watching it on just TV mm. than last year, even with the um, Apple option. So if you assume the league is growing on some level, because it doesn't feel like it's shrinking, there may have been 100,000 people streaming that Nashville NYCFC game, given you know where it was on, on linear TV versus this year. Um, but yeah, Chief, to your point, I, I agree. I think you're going to see some abysmal numbers. I mean, Columbus, Cincinnati could be tiny. And especially with all the games happening at the same time, overall, that's better for the product. And please don't change it. But you're not going to get the curious Columbus fan to watch Cincinnati ever. Yeah, when their like, game's on at the same time. Yeah, no, it's, yeah. It, it's funny, though, too, though, because this doesn't happen in a vacuum. And whatever the numbers are, we may look back on this in a couple years or sooner than that, even as almost a lifeline MLS got thrown by Apple here, because I don't know if people are paying attention to this because I'm a sports nerd. Um, but the PAC 12 is having a whale of a time yeah. finding a TV deal because Disney specifically is cutting back on what it's paying for rights fees and doesn't want to hand out these big checks any longer uh, due to cost cutting uh, uh, edicts from up top. So like there's talk of the PAC 12 having to be broadcast on Twitch or something like that. Right. Um, And in addition to that, throw it up on YouTube, (laughs) all of the, uh, the Bally sports, the regional sports networks, they're all, if they haven't already filed, they're on the verge of filing for bankruptcy 
And there's a genuine question as to whether or not these channels are going to exist even by the first pitch of the Major League Baseball season. And there's you don't have to dig too far to find content talking about how MLB has a contingency plan where all these games will shift to a streaming platform, MLB TV, just to keep some of these games being televised that are where the rights are held by like there with the Reds with Bally Sports. So in a weird sort of way, even if the numbers are terrible, this might end up being one of the shrewdest moves MLS pulled off just because it seems like right now there isn't an appetite anywhere for these types of sports contracts. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I'm thinking too, back in the day, you used to have like the the carrier fees to have a channel on a cable package. And so like your sci-fi channel would cost you like 75 cents of your average bill, right? ESPN was costing between 20 and $30 of your bill, given the amount of rights and was the reason why ESPN was always on the basic level of package because everything else was just kind of glued on to it to help everything stay afloat. And that's what you needed to sell people on the high cost of ESPN. But if you think about it that way, and an MLS ticket package or, you know, MLS season pass package costing about $90 per person. I mean, MLS is almost getting five times the value of a single eyeball to what ESPN was getting for MLS. So even if the viewer numbers are down to ESPN, they're getting more dollars per eyeball. So the numbers are absolutely going to be small. And you'll notice the U.S. men's national team and women's national team have not released numbers on the HBO platform either. Um, They're going to be small, but they're making more money from it. And generally, I hate that as a sports fan, like when American Outlaws are the only ones that you can buy a $100 ticket for to watch the the national team play. But in this case, I kind of like it. I kind of like it. I, I like that I have my own little corner of the internet that is all rah-rah MLS, and <laughs> it's nice to see that. But right, I, I don't I know. Forget, Maybe you're losing some value. Well, I forget who <laughs> said it. They were like, oh, you know, out of sight, out of mind, when you're behind a paywall like this with Apple TV, you'll never see any coverage of MLS on SportsCenter. And he's like, they already didn't cover it. <laughs> right. What, it already what, was. What show already was are you siloed. missing? <laughs> right. It's not like FS1 led every single talk show with what the the Supporter Shield race is, is doing today. Like, nobody gave a shit. No. <laughs> oh, so... There we go. I think that covers this game. Is there anything else we wanted to touch on this game before so, we uh, wrap this since, one up? Ooh. Since the question came up, please about what what the how to think about the passing percentage? Oh yes, please. Yeah, a while ago, <laughs> yeah, I like this. Um, so I pulled up I pulled up the FB ref the, for the Premier League, and the median passing percentage in the Premier League is seventy eight percent. Okay, um, Man City is tops at eighty six point nine percent. Wow. So the 88% that FC got against Orlando is looking pretty good. Many many people are asking if Pat Noonan is the new Pep Guardiola, the American (laughs) Pep. Those people Um, are always just us, but yes. (laughs) And then uh, uh, the 73% that uh, FC had against Houston is like relegation zone. 
Yeah, not great. So <laughs> Everton is looking at us a little embarrassed. It's like so. Southampton, between Southampton and Leeds is, is where you are. And yet, and yet, shockingly, they won the game with the relegation zone passing and they couldn't score a single goal with the Man City passing. Yep. Hey, it's a great yeah. league. We, it's a great league we follow. Just so, so easy to understand. I I mean, look, you wanted unpredictability. You got unpredictability. Oh, before we go, one last MLS point. Uh, Grayson, you you flagged this many moons ago. And I just feel like I just feel like I want to state two things next to each other and let viewers draw their own conclusions here. St. Louis City's sporting director, Lutz Fahnenstiel. I don't yeah. Uh, once served 100 days in Malaysia for match fixing. And as far as we know, he claims he was cleared, but nobody's actually ever demonstrated that he was cleared. St. Louis has had two games, one in which they had one of the worst giveaways in the history of the sport. And last night they had a own goal scored for them and a penalty given up to uh wink wink nudge nudge ensure they won that home opener interesting i yeah. think these are interesting facts to see right next to each other uh another interesting fact is that like <laughs> and i'm not i'm not sure what the exact arrangement is so mls like i'm not sure it's widely understood that mls like owns pro Right. Like like MLS started pro and they provide something like 80% of, of pro's funding. Um, the board of directors are two people appointed by MLS, two people appointed by U.S. soccer, and then one person selected by the other four uh, board members. I don't know. I'm just also mentioning that the league happens to own the referees that are routinely see, poor I'm, i didn't I'm, watch the st louis game so i don't have i don't have an opinion on what happened there i'm not it a just, conspiracy theory guy but i am a connect the dots kind of guy and there's a lot of dots here to be connected just saying uh what is the uh the libertarian's favorite phrase uh regulatory capture or something like that <laughs> yeah it, it feels relevant when mls owns the referees <laughs> oh, I, my only take on this is that i have this just hatred the 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 hatred that burns with the fire of a thousand suns of any expansion team that does well just because it <laughs> yep. it it's, yes. it the the wound is still really raw like yeah i it it sucked when nashville was good it sucked yep. when austin was good and now it sucks that st louis is good and i just i need i need another expansion team to to join mls and be an abject failure just for my own sanity like i need when they add las vegas or god knows whoever i need them to lose to set a record for futility i need i need that so this is why i kept my mouth shut about st louis as people were were were, were making fun of them for uh lutz's uh designated, designated team. team comment yeah. and and for blowing a bunch of money on uh, a Max Not, Tam yeah. uh, goalkeeper, I I shut up because uh, I'm like, man, just the way that this is gonna is gonna if if this plays out though, that they end up being like even just not the worst team in the league. Yeah, um, everyone's gonna look like look like an idiot and 
you know, like it's not always that predictable. Like no. you because you could look at Nashville's build and squint and say it doesn't look that different from the strategy that FC Cincinnati entered the league with. Yeah. Um people weren't knocking down Gary Smith's door to offer him a MLS head coaching job. Um they, Nashville fans want him fired now. Right. So, <laughs> and and you know, it's it's not always it's not always predictable. Yeah. You know? No. Well, there you no. go. Hey, that's MLS baby. <laughs> that should honestly be their slogan. That's MLS baby. Should like just be like appear in like sort of like a fancy text script underneath the big shield logo. That'll be the uh, the name of the Drive to Survive series that inevitably comes from this. That's MLS, baby. All right. So, are we going to touch on that next week, later in the week, or now? Because I can't imagine a show I want to watch less than an MLS Drive to Survive show. Let's touch on that later. That's a okay. good tease for the Thursday episode. So yes, this this will do it for the the Monday immediate immediate quote-unquote post-game uh analysis recap i don't know if you want to call that analysis i don't know what else to call it i feel embarrassed to call it analysis uh but yeah uh, we've got this and then thursday now we'll, we'll keep the the train rolling and uh we have another interview lined up so we'll we'll have some fun with that uh so yeah i don't know chief do we do are we missing anything else is this the end of the episode um i think i think so is the end of the episode fuck columbus All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.